the Gaming Trend Podcast for the week of September 5th, 2011. We're your co-hosts, Mike Dunn. And Ron Burke. And today we're going to talk about what we're playing. Releases coming up for the week of September 5th, coming out on September 6th. And our impressions and some thoughts on Deus Ex Human Revolution. Mike, would you like to go ahead and kick things off? Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hear about what you're playing right now, Ron. Because I just finished Deus Ex, and I haven't started anything new yet. Well, I, as you can imagine, being the site director, I kind of have access to a lot of a lot of games, and uh, one one that I'm actually pretty excited about is uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand Space Marine. So I've got the final version of that for Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and PC, as well as a rather massive, uh, what, four and a half foot, 15 pound chainsword to go along with it. That's so, ridiculous, man. How did they, they sent that to you? <laughs> yeah, one of the perks of, uh, of hanging out with the guys at THQ. Um, so yeah, I've got, uh, I've gotten about three quarters of the way through Warhammer. Uh, it's actually due to post on Tuesday in conjunction with the game's release. Uh, so far, I'm really impressed with the game. It's, uh, I've gotten a chance to see it a couple times through, through various iterations, but uh, the, the final product has turned out really, uh, really fantastic. The, uh, the, the team is, at Relic has really put forth maximum effort to, to bring alive the kind of the... Not just the IP, but also the the feel of what it feels like to be a space marine. What it feels like to be nine foot tall and have armor that weighs a thousand pounds and uh, be damn near indestructible. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the game itself uh, mostly single player, but uh, there's a really nice strong uh, multiplayer component. Uh, you basically play uh, Captain Titus, this uh, kind of abnormal space marine. Um, in that he's not the the ruthless killing machine that just follows orders and you know all hail the emperor push forward at all costs. He's kind of a, a thinking marine in that uh, he's got his objectives, but he's not always just push forward you know at all costs. He's kind of uh, a battle planner. So it's it's a little bit different than than what you might expect, and certainly different from the other uh, space marine titles that we've seen in the past. Yeah, I was so, wondering about this, like. I haven't really been following this one too much, but I, I, I am familiar with the, the past of the Warhammer uh, 40,000 Space Marine kind of franchise mm-hmm. uh, back to its tabletop days. What, what, what kind of genre is this game? Well, it's, it's, it's a shooter, I mean, no doubt. Um, you're, you're, you play Captain Titus most of the time. You're running around by yourself, occasionally joined by two, maybe three Marines. Uh, occasionally you'll join up with regular army as well. But uh, it plays in a, and it actually kind of looks very similar to. I uh, remember Darksiders from THQ. Yes. Maybe what two years ago. Yeah. Uh, looks like a very similar engine, and and plays in a very similar way. Uh, it's definitely up close, personal combat. Uh, you're obviously heavy use of the chainsword, although you do get access to some other goodies like a giant hammer and uh, war axe and a couple different uh, different weapons. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely an up close and personal kind of kind of game. Though uh, I did mention this the other day while I was playing it, uh, the Space Marine does have long range capabilities and medium range capabilities, and they did a really good job balancing out um, all three of those ranges. You never really feel ineffective at any particular range as long as you've chosen a, a really a relatively decent weapon. Uh, you know, you always have your bolt or pistol. And you always have some sort of melee weapon. You start off with the chainsword, but uh, you know you can pick up other weapons as you go. Uh, but you get access to like plasma weapons. You get access to the melta gun. You get access to uh, you know some various rifles for longer range. Uh, so yeah, you, you always feel kind of effective at all ranges. But you're most effective at that that melee. Uh, it's almost the devil may cry kind of frantic, crazy blood and guts everywhere. And uh, the executions, uh, what makes this a little bit different than any other sort of third-person action title like that, um, most games, you know, it's the, well, if I just run and hide for a second, I'll regenerate my health and I'll regenerate my, my shields. 
Not so in Space Marine. Um, you'll regenerate your energy, but there's no way to regenerate health other than through executions. So what you have to do is you stun an enemy and then just basically eviscerate them. With the uh, chainsword, you can cut them in half. With the axe, you may sweep them off their feet and then bury the axe in the back of their head. Um, same thing with the hammer. You can sweep them off their feet and then smash their skull with the hammer. And all that regenerates your, your Space Marine. I think the idea behind that was... You know, these guys are supposed to be nine foot tall and bred only for war. So they didn't want you doing the halo thing where you're looking for some rock to hide behind. They want you to, to constantly be in the thick of battle. And the deeper in the weeds you get, the more that they want you to, you know, engage. The only way you're going to get health back is by killing even more, even at, you know, risk of death. So, yeah, that's the only way to regenerate health is by causing more devastation. So it's kind of the antithesis of the the modern shooter tropes where you've got like a cover system and all that you're, you're literally meant to be a tank that just exactly. plows through everybody. Space Marines do not take cover. Nice. Nice. Now, is this the first first person shooter style in the Warhammer 40,000 universe? Well, not I, first person, third person, third person. Ah, oh, my bad. My bad. Um, it seems to me I've seen a lot of like uh, strategy games using the fran- the uh, the property, but uh, not a shooter. It, am I just totally off base on that? No, there have been a couple titles um, on the PlayStation Two and PlayStation One, but uh, certainly not. They didn't really capture the the look and feel of the the IP as well as this one did. Um, a lot of those were. Yeah, they they were running cover type shooters, but they didn't really give you that feel like you're, you know, nine hundred pounds and nine feet tall. <laughs> um, you are right though. The most of the uh, use of the IP you've got Warhammer Online, which is obviously more the, you know, fantasy role playing style, and then you've got the uh, the fantastic um, Dawn of War titles that uh, are all I think they're yeah they're relic well so. Yeah, those guys have really kind of mastered the IP. They have a really good idea of of what it means, you know, to be in that Warhammer universe. Now, you were mentioning uh, some similarities to the Darksiders title that uh, the comic artist Joe Mad did the designs for. Right, right. Uh, something that I always found interesting is how, you know, starting from back when they really first started out, Blizzard kind of took the same stylistic approach or they kind of, I feel like they, they almost just kind of appropriated it from the, uh, the Warhammer stuff from the days of old. Uh, just that, that kind of squat thick style and, and the, the general kind of like the armor. super deformed look, right? Like yeah. the boots, the the imperial ar- the imperial armor is definitely a good example of that. Both the Marines and uh, eventually you end up taking on Chaos Space Marines. So you know those guys are definitely the same type of imperial armor, huge skulls on their on their belts, uh, you know wings on their on their sides. You know you've got the Ultramarines with their very uh, almost gladiatorial look. Uh, the space marines, uh, the uh, the other types of space marines, you know, they're they're different colors and have various emblems and such. The chaos space marines are more of a twisted look, you know. Their visors are more aggressive looking. They may carry a different banner with skulls impaled on it and that kind of thing. So, yeah, they've definitely got that that kind of squat, uh, so armored it's obscene look yeah, that so you're talking the, about with Games Workshop. Are, games Workshop. That's who it was. Right. Um. Cool. So, uh, so you're gonna have a that review drops uh, on Tuesday, right? Yep, I'll be already on Tuesday. Excellent. Um, what what's else? What else is on your docket? So, I'm also working on a game called Hard Reset. Um, I'm a big fan of the cyberpunk uh, genre. So, there's a, in fact, William Gibson's one of my favorite writers. Neuromancer is one of my favorite books. So, the cyberpunk genre is definitely near and dear to my heart. It's probably also why I took so much to Deus Ex. Um, so I'm working on a preview for a game uh, from a, a Poland studio called uh, Flying Wild Hog, if I remember correctly. Uh, they've got a game called uh, Hard Reset. It's a cyberpunk first-person shooter on the PC, so be on the lookout for that. Um, I should have that in probably a week. Excellent, excellent. And then, and then every, every single uh, 
every single week. It's still rock band for me. Uh, <laughs> it, it still has its teeth sunk into me. I'm still drumming. I'm still uh, hit the guitar. So that's definitely still on my must playlist. Yeah, I need to to dive back into Rock Band Three. We we got it, and I don't know. Maybe it was just having a uh, a one year old around just didn't really lend itself to the old Von Trapp family kind of attitude that we had back when the first two came out. Sure. But uh, but the interest has come up again, and I, th- I think we we need to pull it out. What yep. what I've been playing lately, other than than Deus Ex. Uh, I've, I've, a few weeks ago, I downloaded the new Magic: The Gathering game on Xbox Live Arcade. Oh yeah, what is that? Planeswalker. I yeah, think? yeah. It's it, they're numbering them by the year now, and right. it came out this year, but it's numbered for 2012. Go figure. Um, but got to keep uh, up the sports titles, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, I was really happy they made a lot of improvements off of the first one, uh, UI wise, which I, I felt was probably the least attractive thing of the first game. Well, not necessarily very clunky. Very clunky. It was very clunky. It, it, it made me jump through a lot of hoops to do a lot of actions that I did quite often. How's uh, the deck building on that? Cause uh, that was really the area that I felt suffered the most was the deck building was just so cumbersome and slow. They've, they've definitely expanded upon it. It's, it's a lot better and you can like, you know, the, the, the main decks that you get in the first one where you couldn't really take out any of the original cards. Right, the base decks. Right. You can do anything you want with these now. So oh, nice. Yeah. And I haven't I haven't jumped on online with it yet, so I haven't tinkered too much with it, but just kind of looking around at it, it, it is a lot more robust than it was. Cool. Magic's always a fun distraction. Yeah. It yeah. never seems to get old. I don't know that I would play it constantly like a lot of people do, but every once in a while it's, it's fun to jump back into Magic. Well, you know, I mean, not not all of us get to go out on dates with uh, gawker reporters. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, also, so what are we looking at for this week? Well, well, actually, there's one other thing, and I'm, I'm going to post uh, post this this week. Uh, last week, I on the board game side of things, uh, I got to attend a preview of a uh, a new game that just came out uh, called Bloodsuckers. It's it's kind of a card board game hybrid. Okay. Um, from oh gosh, is that Fantasy Flight? No, no, it isn't. It's it's actually a local company uh, here in Austin. Uh, they came out with a game a couple of years ago called Castle Panic, and okay. I'm having a really hard time remembering who it was by. Well, I'm sure we can come up with that when you hit your preview. Yes, it's it's a good game. It's it's vampire based. Uh, Bloodsuckers. Okay. Oh, Fireside Games. That's right. All right. So, um, Fireside Games, local company. Uh, the head of the company has also worked for Steve Jackson Games, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. That, that would be uh, the Munchkin titles. Uh, yes. And back in the day, like Car Wars and yeah, yeah. Ogre and, and that sort of thing. Um, yep. So, their first game, Castle Panic, was, was pretty pretty good. Uh, I got to play it, and uh, they're coming out with an expansion for that, but Bloodsuckers is is the one they're really pushing right now, and I'm going to have a preview of that, a video preview of that up uh, this week as well. Fantastic. I do want to commend you on the new video service. I think it's working really well for the site. I'm, I'm enjoying the crap out of it. <laughs> We've certainly gotten a lot more video content up there than we ever have before. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and it's just going to keep on getting better. Fantastic. So yeah, let's talk about what's coming up this week. Uh, we've already talked about uh, Warhammer. Uh, yep, it hits Marine. on Tuesday. Hits on Tuesday. Uh, we've also got uh, another one coming up that my son is keenly interested in, Dead Island. I think if nothing else, I don't know what the reviews are like for Dead Island. I typically don't read reviews from other writers uh, until I've played the game and, and written my own review. But uh, I have to say, if nothing else... The guys who made the first commercial for Dead Island need whatever 
whatever awards can be bestowed on the people who make PR materials because that was a fantastic commercial. I don't think I've ever had a commercial get me that excited about a game in a long time. Absolutely. I mean, that thing totally went viral. It, it, everybody was talking about it. And what amazes me, it's from Deep Silver. It's not like Deep Silver has had uh, you know, a lot of really huge titles. They've had a couple titles like the Risen series, um, the Sacred series. But, I mean, they're, they're mostly known for some really small titles. Like, uh, you know, they've got some workout titles. They had the Neighbors from Hell title. Uh, nothing really huge. Uh, Duke Nukem Critical Mass, the spinoff for the Nintendo DS, which I don't know if that ever even came out, but they were working on it. Uh, they're, they're not exactly a huge, a huge company, but uh, this looks like it may put them on the map. Nice. Yeah, well, uh, when you were mentioning reviews, I don't think there's any reviews out for it at all yet. Yeah, it's it's kind of been quiet. Yeah, it's yeah. a good looking title though. It really is. It really is. Uh, I, my my son plans on buying it on Tuesday, so maybe we'll have some impressions uh, next week. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Um, let's see what else. Oh, uh, well, from from for, Sony, you've got Resistance Three. Yeah, of course, Resistance Three. Uh, I, I again, um, I, I haven't played any of the Resistance games, but I've heard they're pretty good. Uh, yeah, they are. They're very good. Um, I got to play it at E3 at uh, Sony's event. Um, it looks fantastic. It's a great continuation of, of the story. Uh, after the... Uh, okay, you have to avoid some spoilers, but come on, if you haven't beaten Resistance 2. <laughs> after the end of Resistance 2 and the very final tone of what happens at the end of Resistance 2, uh, Resistance 3 looks like a good way to kind of restart the, the series and move it forward. So... Uh, yeah, graphically, it looks like they've definitely amped things up a little bit. Uh, definitely more Chimera on the screen than ever have been. Some new toys to play with. It looks it looks like it's going to be a good, solid title. Well, and certainly um, it's Sony's first big push for the uh, the big season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually been kind of a quiet season for Sony, which surprises me. But there are some com- some upcoming titles that I was not I was not uh, expecting would would catch as much. Excitement as they have, specifically uh, looking at Ico and uh, Shadow of the Colossus as a re-release, getting those just HD up, and then uh, you've got the uh, the God of War titles, the PSP titles being pushed to the PlayStation Three. Right. Further proving that uh, there is no killing Kratos. No matter what, we're going to see uh, more of him on the on new platforms. So they've and, they've got some stuff like, coming up. It looks like they're priming the pump this week with the Uncharted dual pack too. So. Right again. Uh, looking at you know, Uncharted Three looks amazing oh, for uh, later on this later on this year. But in the meantime, if you missed out on Uncharted, here's your chance. Yep. And let's see, we've got Driver San Francisco. Yep. Yep. Which which also has been very quiet. You know, I never I, I got into the first Driver, and then uh, Driver Three was so full of bugs. And if I recall correctly, they used Star Force copy protection on it, and I got it for the PC, and it, it was more headache than it was fun. So I, I can't say that I'm, I'm really excited about the title, but, you know, I've been proved wrong before. Yep. Uh, oh, and, uh, yeah, and a few other titles that I haven't really hit my radar. Uh, Disc JF4, A yeah, Promise yeah. Unforgotten. Um, I know that has quite a, quite a big following. Um yeah, plenty of folks are, are big on the uh, the JRPG stuff. It's uh, certain JRPGs spin my crank, but uh, the Disc JS series hasn't been among them. Thankfully, you've got reviewers who get very excited about that, though. Right, right. Uh, I'm I'm not a huge fan of uh, Atlas, who seems to produce quite a bit of those as well. But yep, yep. Um, but there are definitely folks out there. Like Jason is uh, is a good example. He loves himself some uh, some Atlas titles. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There is one title that I'm kind of uh, surprised I'm excited about uh, after seeing it at E3, uh, Blood Rain Betrayal. I was a big fan of the Blood Rain series, so I would have preferred, you know, like a full AAA title kind of resurrect that series. Um, I wish they'd just stop making movies, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, I'm 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 kind of excited on a. It's almost like a Castlevania style side scroller with yeah, the Blood I, Rain series. I I gotta say I I'm not. Not terribly disappointed with this kind of new approach to 
seeing if there's strength in a in a property that has seen better days by coming out with a uh, with a, a an arcade uh, or a, a Sony network kind of game. Like yeah, yeah, the XBLA or PSN. Yeah, absolutely. downloadable title. Uh, I know uh, they're going to try that with the, the Burnout series pretty soon too. Which yeah, I'm yeah, a huge fan of those, but they really. Well, I guess they kind of burned that one out. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. There are some great uh, remakes coming, though. I mean, if you look at uh, the Tomb Raider series getting rebooted by Square... You know, it's, as I think about it, Square Enix is actually in the reboot business lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, they rebooted uh, Deus Ex yep. quite successfully, I might say. Yep. Thief 4 is on the horizon. Uh, you've got you know, the title we just mentioned. They're, yep. they're, they've got some great titles that are... Just kind of getting dusted off, and let's see what we can do with it. Even the Hitman series kind of went under the radar, and uh, you know we haven't heard from IO after, admittedly, uh, less than spectacular. Uh, what was the name of that game with the the two guys? The uh, uh, it was kind of a Reservoir Dogs kind of oh, game. What was it like, Kane and Lynch or something? Kane and like Lynch, that? and Kane and Lynch too. Kane and Lynch wasn't terrible. But it got caught up in that whole, you know, mess that spun off Jeff Gerstmann. And then uh, you've got Kanan Lynch 2, which was just had the, the vomit cam camera. So, yeah, Io, Io really kind of suffered a little bit. Now, it's good to see them get back to what they're good at. Um, I know they've not released any footage, but the stuff I saw at E3 looked pretty damn great. Awesome. So it'll be good to see kind of return to that. Um, the stuff that they were showing was not the, you know, hey, Agent 47, you have this fantastic $5,000 rifle and $5,000 match-grade optics and go take out this target. It was, you know, the shit hits a fan and you're, you know, forced to use a piece of piano wire or, uh, you know, try and find a, a stick or something you can beat somebody with. It wasn't exactly the, the uh, you know, hand everything on a platter, go out on your missions. It was, it was definitely a, a nice reboot make you really think about whether you want to engage a room full of cops kind of thing. Right. So right. it'll be good to see how that comes together. And then the only other two things that have, have kind of entered my awareness uh, are a, another arcade game. Uh, I believe it's got a, a timed exclusive on Xbox Live Arcade, uh, Crimson Alliance, which is kind of a dungeon, which is... From what I understand, a dungeon crawl, uh, you know, similar to... Like a gauntlet-type title? Well, it, it, in my opinion, from what I've heard, it, it kind of harkens back more to its roots with gauntlet, um, but bringing some more modern sensibilities into it. I, I think the thing that struck me the most was hearing that, like, the wizard character that you can play doesn't have to fill up mana. He just shoots. Oh, okay. Bolts. So that's what what makes me think of Gauntlet more than anything, because sure, just whipping axes and daggers, yeah, no, yeah. no worry about ammo counters or anything like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm kind of intrigued by that. I'm going to be watching that one, um, and then uh, of course Nintendo rolling on with the 3D remake train that they've been on for yep. Star Fox 64 3D. Um, I yeah, mean, the dungeon crawl titles are, are fantastic. You know, I've really kind of latched on to, uh, like, Torchlight, for instance. Yeah. Torchlight just screamed, please let me bring another player. Yeah. You know, and now Torchlight 2, we've got that coming, you know, with cooperative multiplayer, uh, internet land play. Uh, the guys from Runic, I think, are really outdoing themselves with Torchlight 2. Uh, I know they have grand designs about even a Torchlight MMO. I don't know if that'll ever come to pass, but... I am excited about Torchlight. It's still got that big question mark if it's going to hit this year or not. But even my wife is actually excited about playing Torchlight 2, uh, you know, in absentia of Diablo 3. Yeah. Torchlight 2 will fill the gap just fine. <laughs> yeah, that, I was just about to mention Diablo 3. I mean, everybody's looking forward to that one. And Blizzard, you know Blizzard of course, is being their usual you know, when it's ready. Well, I can tell you that the reason I'm going to BlizzCon this year not a World of Warcraft fan. I beat the game by uninstalling it, but I am a Diablo fan. And it, this this uh, this BlizzCon is going to be all about Diablo and all about StarCraft. So I am very excited to be going to BlizzCon this year. 
Awesome, awesome. I can't wait to, to see what you come out of that with. Yep, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Deus Ex. Uh, you, said, you said you beat the game. I literally beat the game about two hours ago. Very nice. Um, you got I, all the endings? Yeah, looked at all the endings. I I don't typically have a whole lot of time to game, and I really kind of rearranged my schedule the last couple of weeks around when I could play this game. I really liked it. Yeah, I was I was very impressed. I think you could see that from my review. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, honestly, it didn't even hit my radar until the uh, the previews you posted uh, at, at E3. Yeah. And as soon as I saw it, I was uh, fiending, literally fiending for it. Couldn't wait for it to come out. Um, now, what would you say was your was your favorite part about it? You, did you play the original Deus Ex? I did. I played the first one. I didn't play Invisible War. Uh, you didn't miss much. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> but uh, I did. I did play the first one. Uh, loved the first one. Finished the first one. Uh, I took the Helios ending. Uh, nice. Didn't didn't play through the other ones. Uh, I think I was playing the original Half Life at the same time. I was on a very retro kick at the time. <laughs> um, you, you picked good good games to go retro with. <laughs> well, I was playing catch up uh, from from my late late '90s to early 2000s mm-hmm. at the time. So, uh, Deus Ex, the first one was fantastic. Uh, it, I mean, looking back on it, it didn't really have even for the time that I played it, which admittedly was a few years after it came out, a lot of like really good eye candy, but the story was just phenomenal. The amount of choices you could make on it, uh, the, the upgradability of your character and your weapons, everything, um, yep. w- was just fantastic. And I was really, really pleasantly surprised to see human revolution carry some of that same essence. Uh, it felt like Deus Ex. Yeah, I, I think I even said exactly that in my review. Um, the game, I, I don't know. I mean, Sheldon Picotti was the writer for the original uh, Deus Ex, and I think he really nailed the kind of the political intrigue and a lot of the. Like, I remember fondly interrogating one of the soldiers, and he's talking about how. No man has the right to choose for another man and some of that human transhumanism, you know, what does it mean to be human uh, really, really got me thinking, you know, uh, like for instance, and I, I think I mentioned it again in this in my, in my review, uh, there's an Olympic runner that has essentially cybernetic legs. They're those kind of chicken walker uh, spring steel legs. Mm-hmm. Does that make him more human than human? He's now able to run faster than any of us. You know, so kind of looking at, you know, just implications of can he compete in the Olympics? But when you start to look at, well, how does that affect, you know, him as a runner? Sure, a professional you know, runner, obviously he's going to be more qualified than any other runner. But when you start to think about implants and stuff like in the game, uh, there, there's some you run into that she feels pressured because she went to school and got a job uh, doing a particular thing. And then all of a sudden, the more rich people are able to get cybernetics that give them the same advantages that she went to school for. So now the only way she can compete is to get her own cybernetics. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but obviously, you know, there, there are some serious implications there. You know, what, what, at what point does keeping up with the Joneses include modifications to your own body? Well, and, and I think that really you that really speaks to the the continued relevance of the concept of the, of both games, all three games rather. Um, I mean, in the time between the first one and the and Human Revolution, these things have been happening. Yeah, Pe- absolutely. People have been getting you know augmentations to their body that enable them to do things that are more human than human, you know, like that runner with the, 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 the spring steel legs. legs. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, I, I think it's a great time for the game to come out. It, it's, it speaks very well to, to the issue. Stepping away from the game for a second and looking at, 
looking at the the way that game is going to impact the industry, I couldn't be happier. Um, there's so many games that I, I love. Gears of War. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but it's definitely crush, kill. It, there, there's no story there really to speak of. I mean, the storyline is so thin. But when you look at a game like Deus Ex, there's at least four ways or five ways or even more than that that you can solve everything. And it's not that, you know, the side missions the side missions aren't, hey, can you go deliver this package for me? Each side mission has weight and there's a reason why you're doing it. It's not a matter of go do this for extra experience. It's go do this and in that, in that mission you may have to make very serious decisions you know, uh, moral choices about how you deal with people and how you, you know, pressure people or choose to, to reverse the situation and try to help them, even though you were sent to go collect a debt or something like that. So I, I really like that a game like this that does this well shows the industry, hey, it doesn't all have to be, here's a giant you know, well, here's a giant chain sword. Go cut everything you see into small pieces. <laughs> you know, there, there can actually be some substance to a game. And if it's done correctly, not only is it good, it's incredibly good. Yeah, I agree. There's, it, it's almost like we're, we're kind of going through the same cycle uh, that we did back in the 90s going into 2000, where the blockbusters were, were very testosterone-fueled for a while. You know, well, sure. Well, uh, the first Doom, the first Deus Ex Doom, game was, Nukem, etc. Yeah. And then comes Deus Ex and Half Life, and right. the, the RPG FPS uh, genre starts blossoming. And it's it's like in the last few years we've had a similar testosterone fueled drive. Yep. Gears of War, Halo. I would argue Halo is pretty testosterone fueled. Uh, uh, sure. Call There's of good Duty. story there, I mean, but it's definitely you know shoot everything that moves. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pleased as punch to see see us come full circle with that. I would love to see more games like this hit the market and succeed. Well, I, I doubt anybody listening would argue with this. Very first Deus Ex game, you walk out onto the pier, you walk up to the Statue of Liberty. Hey, look, a pistol! I'm going to play this like a shooter. Oh, look, the reload screen. I think every one of us picked up that pistol, started playing it like a shooter, and <laughs> died very quickly. Am I right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's that's, it's nice. That's to the see. first moment you realize this isn't the same game you're used right. to playing. Exactly, exactly. And I really had that feeling with Deus Ex: Human Revolution as well. Um, you know, you can play it as a shooter, but even with the dermal armor implants, it's not meant to be the. Well, you can't play it like you would Space Marine. You're not going to run forward and just take bullets all day. Nope, that's tried a quick that, way to die. Work. <laughs> yep. About the only way that works is if you take the augs that let you pick up turrets and run around with those. Yeah. But even even then, <laughs> you'll be seeing the reload screen pretty often. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm just – hold on. I'm pausing. Okay. So so you played Invisible War. Uh, I did. I didn't. How, how would you compare the three? So Invisible War got a bit of a bad rap. Um, Deus Ex is widely considered to be one of the best games of all time, right? Right. Warren Spector at the helm for both of them. I mean, Warren Spector's now making Disney games, really great Disney games, but, you know, at the time, this was his baby, right? Exactly. Deus Ex 2, uh, Invisible War, um, it was... I think it was really their first attempt to try and bring things onto the console market. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the first Deus Ex was PC only. There was, you know, some offshoots. I think they made it for the Mac, uh, but no consoles. Right. So, uh, Invisible War. Invisible War is pretty much a whole, I mean, all three of them had, probably had some commonalities in the, in the teams working on them, but. Right. Oh, and for the most part, they were like, huh? The first game did actually come out for the PlayStation 2. I do remember that now. Um, But yeah, Invisible War, they tried to release it on the Xbox. So, um, you know, Xbox, limited number of of buttons on the controller. Um, Still not a lot of practice by the teams in mapping something like the keyboard and the mouse. You know, 
making things like radial menus to make things easier. A lot of that stuff had not been widely done. So a lot of that maturity that we see now when you see a game like Human Revolution plays pretty much the same on the PC as it does on the, on the 360 or the PlayStation 3. Um, but a lot of that practice hadn't been done yet. Right, so and, it, and then lately we've been seeing kind of the opposite happen. You know, they're making the. It almost seems like they're making games for the consoles first, and then porting them over to PC and and doing an equally shoddy job as they did back when it was the other way around initially. Right, right. So um, the big thing with with Invisible War was it was very clunky. Um, Interface, and then on top of it, they moved uh, from one engine to another. They had the was it the Unreal Engine one to Unreal two uh, engine, or I should say Unreal Engine two, which is not actually what they used for Unreal two. But um, so you know, there, there's some challenges in, in bumping the graphics up, but this is also before we actually had a lot of streaming coming off of the disc. Right. So there's a lot of long load times. Mm-hmm. Um, everywhere that you went, it was loading constantly, not just when you go into buildings, but also all throughout the environment. So you had you know, a brand new engine that they really hadn't practiced with. They had brand new control scheme that they hadn't really developed yet. And then on top of it, no real streaming. So long load times. And then on top of it, uh, a lot of the choice that really was <clears throat> kind of kind of the the root structure of the Deus Ex series uh, was really missing in Invisible War. There were choices, but they all felt very um, very black and white. Right. They're very very simple choices, and usually it was a choice that didn't have any lasting effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd make simple choices, and then you'd get the immediate either gratification or negative reinforcement or whatever, you'd kind of get that response immediately and then that would be the end of that choice. It really didn't have any sort of any sort of social uh, impact or any sort of long-standing effect. Um, talking very vaguely about the end of human revolution, the decisions that you make have very real consequence at the very end. You can't just... Uh, there, there are four endings at the end of the game, but there's also some subtexts that are given in that ending that change based on how you play. And you can't just go back and load one save back and get a different ending completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way you get those real different endings at the very end, the, 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 the stuff that gets uh, talked about at the very end, is by changing the way that you played the entire game. Right, right. And... and- I mean, I don't think we're spoiling anything by saying that there's four different endings. Right. I think it's pretty much a given that there are multiple endings to the game. Um, but I think uh, I think it's definitely a, a testament to the team and, and the care that they put into it to, to really... I mean, those choices that you make as you play the game, in addition mm-hmm. to the environments that you're in... And and everyone that you talk to, and it just added so much texture, and and really made the world feel much more real. I agree. I agree. Now I don't know uh, if Detroit's going to look that good in twenty twenty seven, but uh, I, I predict it'll look more like RoboCop. And if you've been there recently, and I have, um, they can film parts of that without doing any modification whatsoever to the environment. <laughs> right. So if they want to reboot that franchise, now's the time. And I'm sure land's cheap if they just want to buy the area instead of renting it. Well, I'm still I'm still holding out for that RoboCop statue. <laughs> that would be epic. I just want his gun. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so-, so let's talk a little bit about, about Human Revolution. Uh, I know you wanted to kind of get into uh, kind of the themes of the of the game. Talk a little bit about like the. Uh, kind of the look and feel of the game, the, the talking about transhumanism, and uh, we talked a little bit about what, what you can see human. Um, there was one thing that I did notice. So there's this, this prevalent talk about um, transhumanism, and we saw that great CGI, uh, big thanks to the, uh, the Square team that handles the Final Fantasy CGI. They actually did the CGI for the commercials. 
right. incredible work. I think they captured that perfectly. Absolutely. Um, but there's one commercial where Adam is dreaming about him becoming Icarus, right? And he's catching on fire and you get the wings and the great trailer. And he wakes up and he looks at these, these hands that he didn't ask for these augmentations and, uh, that Icarus thing never makes an appearance anywhere in the game. Wasn't the augmentation where he's able to fall without... Right. So, yeah, you have the Icarus landing system, but that right. CGI specifically was never in the game. Right, right, right. I- I'm glad that they made it into a commercial. I would have hated to see something that great end up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Though, Although, I-, I, do un- I do feel like I understand why they they cut it from the game, because it is a little more flashy than anything else. That would be the, probably the most flashy thing in that world. It, it, you know, maybe a dream sequence, but sure. not like an actual thing that he does. Sure, sure. Um, although there is a tie-in, obviously, with the Icarus and, uh, you know, tying in with the first Deus Ex, you have Icarus and Daedalus, right? Oh, yeah. So those were the uh, the AIs in the very first game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that, that Icarus tie-in kind of ties into the cyber renaissance look of the game, but also ties into the first game just in kind of a loose way that you can kind of bring it all together. Obviously, with this being a prequel, the Daedalus and Icarus uh, subtext you know, being throughout kind of foreshadows what we see happen in uh, in the first day of sex. A- absolutely. And, and I think... Uh... You know, I mean, there's there's little references to the original game, like, peppered throughout it. Like, they're very, very subtle, um, for the most part. And we'll get we'll get into some more of that uh, later when we get to our spoiler section. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, the love for the original is, is there, and it's strong. Um, and and I'll tell you what, if there was anyone worried about Square Enix uh, buying IDOS... And, and helping them with their properties, that that worry is completely vanished. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, I think we talked a little bit about that earlier with the, uh, the reboots that they're working on. Mm-hmm. I think that they've really brought a level of quality that might really have been lacking. Um, it was kind of done under the radar, but this is not IDOS's first purchase. Uh, right. they, they've been snapped up a couple times in the last couple of years, so it's nice to see some real solid backing of a solid publisher behind uh, such a large uh, brand. Right. So it's nice to see, you know, things like a reboot on this. Uh, Thief is my favorite, absolute favorite series. Yeah. So it's nice to see that reboot. Um, I would love to see some Soul Reaver, you know. I'd love, I'd <laughs> yes. love to go back. I'd love to go back and uh, and, and go back into some, some Legacy of Cain and some Soul Reaver. Um, there well, are some great tomb, properties. There's the Tomb Raider, right? There's, yep, the rebooting Tomb Raider. Yeah, um, yep, so that's a 2012 title. Right. Uh, well, let's talk for a minute about some more comparisons, like some some concrete comparisons to the originals, and kind of juxtapose them with uh, with some of the newer kind of gaming tropes that have come out in recent years that they they managed to to get into the gameplay as well. Um, I mean, just just in terms of of how it immediately feels like a Deus Ex game, the sure. the inventory screen, mm-hmm. uh, just the way it's blocked out on a grid like that, very old school, very old fashioned, very Deus Ex, yep. and and you know, combining and 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 building up your weapons in that screen and and how you handle it. I mean, sure, your weapons don't show up on your character like they do and in Halo now or, or stuff like that. And, sure. you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, a level of suspension of disbelief I can handle. Um, and I, I did like that. Uh, it did force some choices on the player, just like the original did. Right. If you want to carry two sniper rifles, you're not going to carry much else. Right. Exactly. So if you want that long rifle and you want the tranquilizer rifle, you're not going to be able to carry very much of anything else. Uh, in terms of, you know, you're not going to be carrying a submachine gun, a shotgun, a machine gun, uh, a silenced pistol, two sniper rifles, and landmines. It's just not going to fit. Right, right. And, 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 and the hacking. Loved the hacking. You know, I mean, 
sure the, the hacking minigames got a little old towards the end there, but... One thing I did like, though, they always remain challenging. Yes. Um, it, it was never like, well, I took every augment, so these are a piece of cake. Towards the end, um, you definitely had to really be on your toes for some of those hacks. Yeah, and and the the way I ended up playing it, like I would literally go around, even if I had the code, I would I would hack hack it oh, just so I could and and try to get that the source the the data stack um, that is the source of them finding you. Uh, to get the the extra points and the uh, and everything on the screen uh, as a result, and money and yeah, absolutely. I so, think a lot of um, I think a lot of the subtext of the game is also contained in that hacking. So unlocking all those terminals and getting all that, you know, sure you got the Nigerian scam stuff, which was funny, right. and you got uh, you know, but there's a lot of subtext and stuff that that would kind of be lost on the player that plays this game as a shooter, right? There's a lot of that that kind of richness of the universe was all in there. I think another part of the thing that really tied this game to the first one, if you think back to just the jacket that J.C. Denton was wearing in the yes. very beginning, yes. so you get that high-collar um, jacket, very much uh, same jacket that Adam's wearing. Uh, so you had that kind of, uh, I think I mentioned before, like a, like a cyber renaissance, but it was also uh, like late medieval... Um, Almost like an Italian style, you know, the the poofy neck uh, dresses on the women and the the high collar stuff and the the filigree on uh, some of the the clothing. It it was really cool. Uh, when I was at, at uh, Idos Montreal, I got to see a lot of the artwork and stuff that went into this. Uh, a lot of this stuff was pulled from real fashion. Um, that's right. kind of interesting, right? To to think about, you know, yeah, I'm a graphic designer and I make video game stuff, but I'm looking at high fashion as my source. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, just the amount of work they put into, like, giving each of the the hubs and locations uh, its own feel, and it it really it it really tied in. Uh, I mean, it really did tie in to the original quite a bit, and you really did kind of get the feeling that this this is these are events that precede the first one. Because yep. not everybody has augments yet. It's still a, a very... It, it, it literally is the moment where it's about to explode. Right. And, and be everywhere. And, and you know, everybody's kind of freaked out about it. I have one more thing I want to bring up. All right. Um, the, the, the gameplay mechanisms that are more recent that they put in, uh, like the, the cover... And oh, yeah. the active camo and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I felt they really, really worked quite well. Um, it, it, helped, it helped keep the game more contemporary without sacrificing too much of the homage elements. Sure. Although I will say that Invisible War had, uh, had an active camouflage system similar, just done very poorly. Right. All right. So yes, let's talk spoilers. All right, uh, I have one last thing to add. There's one thing that I do wish that U.S. audience had gotten that European audiences got uh, was the uh, the collector's edition. The collector's edition in Europe had an awesome player Sky figure. Um, if you've ever seen, well, if you look back at the E3 pictures that I took um, of the player stuff. You can see some of the really high-end, fantastic action figures that Square puts out. Um, the collector's edition in Europe had that figure included, and the United States got shafted on that. I would have liked to have seen uh, that come out in the United States. I think that would have. Uh, I think that would have been a great bonus for for the U.S. audience. Now, who was the figure? Play Arts Kai K A I. No, no, I mean, uh, was it was oh, it Adam? It's, it's up Adam. Yeah, okay. it's up Adam. Okay. He's in his uh, he's in his black armor with all the uh, the augments. Uh, what is it? The uh, the combat chassis, right? So right. Gotcha. that's all exposed. It's the black armor. It has uh, you know the the hand uh, the arm blades. It has a machine gun. It's it's a pretty awesome figurine. It's probably I don't know uh, ten inches tall. I, I'm estimating as I hold it in my hand. <laughs> oh, oh no. Yeah. All right, jealousy is struck. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they'll come out with those in the U.S. soon. Uh, I, 
I yeah, haven't looked at the sales numbers or anything, site. but I'm I'm hoping it's good enough to uh, to bring some of that over, and and hopefully we'll be visiting the Deus Ex world again. Yeah, absolutely. I know that there's some DLC coming uh, later this year, so right. Um, yeah, they not, hinted at that this last week, didn't they? Yeah, not to spoil, but basically uh, it's going to put you in a position where uh, you'll be without your augments for a uh, for a period where you're you're going to have to rely really on that stealth element without all the bells and whistles. And I think it's also an interesting way to give players a chance to respect their character, since there's really no way to change your augments. Although, admittedly, by the end, I was kind of throwing the augments away. I just had so many Praxis points. Right, right. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's a chance to give players uh, a chance to, to respect their characters. Okay, so spoilers. Yep, let's talk some spoilers. Okay, so... <clears throat> so you got all four endings, right? I got all four endings. Um, Which ending did you choose first? Um, I, I pretty much took them in order. Okay. The uh, which is the cop out. <laughs> yep. But the one I ended up with was was the one where you basically bl- blow up the facility. That's and what I went with first. That was the one I probably would have chosen. Yep. That was the one that I really sat there and looked at those choices quite a bit before I made what I considered to be my choice. Right. You know, I wanted to see all the endings, but I wanted to make my choice, and my choice was. It's not right for any of these people to make decisions for everyone else. Absolutely. So I wanted I wanted everybody to have their chance to uh, to make their own choice. And, and I, I honestly feel like that was probably the choice that led to the events of the first Deus Ex. I completely agree. Completely agree. Um. I did have an interesting uh, thing for the second uh, run-through, and I don't think it's something that the developers thought through. So for the second run-through, I decided uh, I had blown through and not picked up one of the uh, – I didn't go talk to uh, – what was his name? Uh, uh, the the period first guy, the the senator. Yes. Um, so I didn't go talk to Taggart. him. So I, I doubled back. Taggart, that's right. I doubled back and made sure that I found him. I talked to him, and then I put a bullet in his head. And uh-huh. then I went and talked to David, and then I put a bullet in his head. And I killed everybody in the entire place just to see if it would change some of the verbiage at the end. Because uh-huh. in the credits, it talked about how I always had restraint. Um, 99 times out of 100, I would tranquilize everybody I ran up against other than the bosses, which we'll get to the bosses in a minute. Right. Um, so, yeah, I really tried to show restraint throughout the game. So it commented on that during the ending. Uh, and that was a little bit about what I was alluding to earlier, which was you can't change that. Even mowing through all the people in the station, you know, even though they were not even under their own power, it, it wasn't enough to change the, the ending for me. Uh, it's still commented that I always tried to, to show restraint. But it sounds like you had a different experience. Um, yeah, I don't remember hearing a, anything about restraint at all at the end. Um, yeah, I heard it in all four of mine. But I think I think that that I kind of took a a I would say more of like a splinter cell kind of approach. Okay. Where I was sneaking around, but I was putting bullets in their heads for the most <laughs> part. <laughs> Because once I saw one of the guys wake up his buddy and come after me again, I was like, oh, this will not do. <laughs> see, and, and see, I, I, uh, I, spent, I spent a few years as a combat controller in the Air Force, so I used a very horrible sniper tactic. I'd tranquilize one guy. They'd all come and run in, and I would tranquilize them, and then more people would come, and I'd tranquilize them. Uh, it's very similar to the way I play Thief. If everybody's not stacked up like cordwood... By the end of it, I've not done my job correctly. Right, right. and, and I, I pretty much did the same thing, but they were you just, just dead. bullets. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, no, and the I... very first weapon that I maxed out on uh, on uh, upgrades was the pistol. Oh, the, yeah, the, the ten millimeter. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um. So yeah. What, I, I went back and I executed David and I executed Taggart. I executed everybody. And uh, it didn't change the ending. 
So the next ending I picked was Seraph's ending. Obviously, Seraph's not going to be around to make any decisions at that point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it didn't. It didn't change the ending. I don't think the developers probably expected me to be as psychotic, and <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Um, I did want to get to the boss fights, though. Yeah, that was really my only complaint with this game. I think the boss fights were kind of. I mean, they're the only things that you can't get to the game and not have pulled the trigger, right? Right. Um. But the boss fights were just kind of weak. Once I figured out the trick, landmines, yeah. every boss fight is so easy. Uh, four landmines take out pretty much any boss in the game other than the very last one. Well, and, and, and I upgraded the crap out of my Typhoon augmentation too. So it was just, you know, slap on that three times, boom, they're dead. Yep. The final boss that uh, um, Zhao, yes. I, I took out the guns with the Typhoon. And, oh, then wow. was, and then it was a walk in the park. I walked up, hit the typhoon. The next gun would rotate into place. It hit the typhoon, took out all the guns, and then I had uh, I had enough EMP uh, grenades to take out all the bots. So I walked out of that boss fight without a scratch. Did Did you hack the uh, the console? Yeah, so during you... one of the endings, I did. I hacked yeah. the console. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I gotta agree with you. the The boss battles, once you figure them out, were like nothing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess, I guess after a while, I just kind of looked at them as less as boss battles and more as like, okay, the story is about to have a turning point. Right. Right. And honestly, that's a pretty small nitpick for for such a great game. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are complaining about you know if they do a total stealth. Uh, sneak around, uh, you know, pacifistic approach to the game, and then they're, th- then they've been focusing all their builds on that, or like right. a stealth hacking build. Then they're kind of caught unawares during that. And oh yeah, I, I, honestly, I feel like it, it, it made you balance your decisions better because you Certainly. knew you knew you you have to you know you're, you're going to come to a point to where. You'll you'll have no choice, and you'll have to to just kill something, right? Um, right. And I feel like you know, there's there's no point in in your everyday life where you're just going to be able to do one thing and play one and, and play one thing. You know, you have to be a little more flexible than that. Sure. And sure. I, you know, my 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 complaint is more that they didn't. They might have telegraphed that a little better. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, I mean, it, if I had decided that I wanted the uh, the foxiest of hounds mm-hmm. um, achievement and I wanted to just play through without killing anyone, I'd have ended up at that boss battle, that first one, and Barrett would have just ripped me apart. Right. So, you know, having played uh, earlier builds of the game, I knew where that boss battle was, so I kept... Uh, I kept my machine gun at the ready and I knew that even though I had been completely stealthy up to that point, I was going to have to, I was going to have to get my hands dirty for that battle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I do have to say though, up to that point, uh, you know, the the game is so layered and so, uh, dynamic, you know, giving you all these different options and there's so many different ways that you can play the game. I really never felt, uh, I never really felt like I had to play the game in any particular way other than the boss battles. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's where the, the meat of the complaint is, is that you, you literally can choose any kind of gameplay to get through just about any situation except for those. I think, I think for the sequel, if they want to include boss battles, that kind of thing, I think the easiest thing is enough EMP grenades shuts down that person and you can... You know, get through that by using other things other than bullets. I mean, there were other ways that I'm sure, you know, the game was delayed once. So I'm mm-hmm. sure they had thoughts about trying to figure out another way. But, you know, in the interest of time and getting it out before the mad rush of the, the holiday season, you know, I'm sure some stuff got cut. Yeah, and, and I got to tell you, there's there's one thing that I was actually kind of surprised that we didn't see as the game progressed you know, that initial encounter before Jensen gets augmented, where he sees the the augmented uh, guy who was controlled by someone else. 
Oh, right, yeah. He was like, controlled by um, the uh, the hacker. Uh, what was his name? Um, Windmill was his yes, code Windmill, name. Windmill. Yeah. Um, I thought we would see hacking of other augmented people. That could be awesome, and then you know that could be uh, that could be something that we see in the sequel. Um, and, and that, I mean, to me, that would be a great way of handling a boss battle. Sure, sure. Just grab a hold of one of these soldiers and march him in there. Mm-hmm. Or, or hack the boss. Sure, sure. Make it like this massive hacking thing. Maybe even blow out the mini game to in- include more uh, mechanics. Or, now, I did want to say. I was impressed that there's boss battles in the game on the social side. Yes. Like talking down the guy from committing suicide or getting uh, Taggart to admit his faults in front of a camera. Right. Those were very cool. I was surprised to see that. Or Tong. I failed miserably at Tong. <laughs> what happens if you fail? I actually didn't I didn't fail any of those. Uh, he just shuts you out. He's like, I don't speak to you anymore, Guaylo. You know? <laughs> oh, nice. So you actually had to sneak down in there and uh, and actually be stealthy then yes. to get down into his office? Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah. And he gave I, me the key to the kingdom. I just walked down in there. <laughs> no, I, I, I snuck down. I actually... Uh, I was having a big problem with that control panel uh, that Malik wants you to, uh, you know, the guy, what is it, Bao Li or something, the one that killed her friend yeah. in, in one of the side yeah. quests, and there's like that yep. level level four hack that, or level three hack that acts like a level five hack control yep. panel where you basically take over the screen of, outside of the hive. Yep. Um like I got really frustrated in the, on that and ended up just scouring the hive completely and just killed everybody. Wow. <laughs> in the hopes that I would get the code and I didn't. Nope. And so I was like I just basically went on an augmentation uh hunt for that because I really wanted to finish that quest. Yep. That does Ooh. have a cool culmination though, the, the big uh, projection on the side of the wall and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you you managed to save Malik. I did. Speaking of Malik, that was the typhoon in action again. It was really the first time that I really unleashed the typhoon because I was really trying not to kill anyone. But I knew the I played through it, and she just got cut to ribbons so fast. Yeah, I knew that the only way I was going to get through that section was to actually kill the soldiers. So uh, what I did was I bumped up my stealth where I had seven seconds of stealth. Right. I ran right in the middle of where those heavy gunners were at the very end, launched the Typhoon, ran over to the snipers, launched the Typhoon, and then used my sniper rifle to take out the other guys, and I managed to save her. That was not easy. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I, I literally tried that about 10 or 15 times and then just kind of gave up in disgust. Felt kind of bad. Yeah. Which was great because I did feel bad. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's a testament to the game right there. Well, yeah, you have to live with the consequence. Yep, yep. Well, awesome, Ron. Uh, I, do you, if you, unless you have something else to say about the game, I think we can wrap this one up. No, I think that's uh, I think that's about it. I, I really have to praise the guys at uh, at Idos Montreal. I think they did a fantastic job, and uh, you know, for such a, I mean, come on, Deus Ex is considered to be one of the best games of all time, and I think Human Revolution fits really nicely uh, with that moniker. It's going to be Absolutely. tough to beat that title. There's some fantastic titles coming at the end of this year. But, man, Human Revolution is going to be at the top of this list. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is, it is without a doubt my game of the year so far. I would have to agree. Well, awesome. Hey, okay. Mike, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, I'd like to thank all our listeners for uh, tuning in. And until uh, next week, This is the Gaming Trend Podcast.